This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Karen DeHutt. Karen is the president of Booz Allen's largest business sector and an experienced public sector board member. She leads the $4 billion uh, global defense sector, which represents half of the firm's every annual revenue. Prior to joining Booz Allen, she was a, an officer in the U.S. Navy and served as the controller for U.S. Navy's premier biomedical research institute. So, Karen, first, it, what an honor. Welcome to the show. Oh, my goodness, Aileen. Thank you so much. And it is great to be here. Um, great to be here with you again. So, you know, Karen, this show is about leadership. So um, can you describe your leadership style? Well, I can sure try. And, and let me start by saying leadership is one of my favorite topics to discuss because I think it's so critical, particularly in this world in which we live today, demonstrating, you know, strong leadership, compassionate leadership, is such an important part that uh, we as executives play in terms of inspiring our teams, inspiring our clients, and really you know, trying to make a difference in the world. So for me, um, I am the third of three daughters. Uh, my parents are both 100% Italian. Um, so that speaks to sort of a cultural dynamic that I have in my leadership style. I tend to be um, pretty direct, um, strong in my opinions, um, clear-sighted in my vision, uh, willing to take risks, maybe sometimes uh, risks that don't make sense. Um, and my mother, who was truly the first feminist in my life, despite being a very traditional woman, taught me that I can be all of those things, but I needed to be incredibly humble and resilient. And so all of those characteristics, some good and some bad, to be honest with you, have really um, defined uh, my leadership style over the years. And certainly the, the jobs and roles that I've been interested and willing to take on. Do you alter your approach depending upon the situation? I know um, there's many times that I walk into a room and um, uh, and I'm the only nobody looks like me. Uh, I'm the only woman at the table. Uh, uh, you know, it just is it, it is. And sometimes I find that people don't hear me in the same way. Do you find that at times? And do you alter the way you approach things? Oh, absolutely. So I think that the best communicators and the best leaders, to be honest with you, understand the audience to whom they're speaking. And they really have to alter that style, that approach, um, how they think about answering questions, what they think about saying in, in each room. And I'll give you some examples. Um, you know, we have a very diverse board at Booz Allen. Um, uh, diverse from a lot of perspectives, cultural diversity, gender diversity, uh, diversity of background. And how you approach speaking to a board is very different from how you approach speaking to your team, for example. Um, you have to be at a more high level, more summary, uh, more strategic versus when you're talking to your team, more operational. And that diversity really uh, is important in understanding um, what you believe they need to hear. I think a mistake, Aileen, that people make often in, in speaking or communicating a strategy is that they, they communicate what they want to communicate versus communicating what the audience needs to hear. And so you have to tailor not only how you say things, but what you're saying, depending upon the audience. I, I completely agree with that idea. Now, I think it's hard sometimes. I think that, you know, our styles, mine certainly, can be very command and control. And um, that doesn't always go, uh, go well. Um, for example, when I was a young junior officer in the Navy, 
uh, I could not use my sort of very direct uh, approach of communicating and of leading with senior officers. I was a young woman, 22 years old, 23 years old. Uh, that just would not have gone over well. And so I learned at a very early age that uh, how you communicate and to what audience is, is critically important. You know, Karen, you, you have such a rich background. Um, any leaders that come to mind in your past, you mentioned your mom earlier, but um, that you maybe have in the work life that provided you important lessons or events that taught you important lessons that you wish all leaders would learn as they progress through their stages of their career? I have been truly blessed by um, tremendous mentors and tremendous sponsors. And I differentiate the two mentors giving you clear eyed advice when you need it. Uh, sponsors being those individuals that are really willing to go to the mat for you in terms of your career, your development and your um, uh, acceleration in, in your um, positioning. So I'll separate out those two in terms of mentors. Um, uh, I will speak to Bill Purdy, uh, who was the former CEO for AMS and joined Booz Allen as a senior partner. And I worked directly for and with Bill for his entire tenure at the firm. And Bill was one of those men who never criticized in public, but would be very quick to pull you aside afterwards and say, you know, here's what I saw here's what you did in that meeting and here's why you were either successful or not successful. And I recall very specifically um, a meeting that I was in with Bill and we were around the table and I was clearly getting agitated and sort of frustrated with the tenor of the conversation. He um, had, he made the opportunity to sort of end the meeting um, early and afterwards, he asked me to join him in his office. And he said to me, he goes, Karen, you do not have a poker face. And that is not going to serve you well over your career. You have to learn how to keep your emotions inside and remain calm and collected and uh, on the outside. And it was such an important uh, piece of advice for me because I didn't realize what I looked like in the meeting. You know, you're not, you're not looking at yourself. Maybe Zoom is helping us now because we actually can see ourselves on screen. Uh, in terms of sponsorship, I've had also lots of wonderful um, men and women in my career that have been willing to um, go to the mat for me and help me to accelerate my career. Uh, one being a client of mine when I was uh, serving her as a client and she was a tough cookie and I needed to prove myself to her. And I worked really hard to serve her in a really positive way and uh, make her successful. And uh, she came to me one day, and this was after about six months of working with her and really not feeling like I was being successful, to be honest with you. And she came to me and she said, you know, I've put you through your paces and you've shown up and you've been able to really um, answer my questions, uh, make the program successful. And I'd really like to see you uh, become the program manager for this job. And I'm going to really sponsor you for that with your with your company and with your team. And so that was really interesting for me as a young um, consultant at the time to see this very senior woman test me, which I thought was hard at the time, but test me and then give me opportunity. And I really learned from her in that way. I learned how to really help others be successful and to sponsor them and make sure that they were um, successful in their own careers. So as you went through your career, what obstacles and challenges did you encounter on a personal level that you had to overcome in order to become this more effective leader? Well, I really appreciate that question. And you mentioned it at the top of the show about being a young woman in a fairly male dominated field, particularly, you know, United States Navy, where I started my career in technology. And, um, you know, I was 21 graduating from college when I joined the Navy and 22 
really at the first command responsibility that I had. And when I took over that role, everybody was at least 10 years older than me that was working for me. They were either senior civilians with deep domain and technical knowledge or senior enlisted uh, that had been working in that area for their entirety of their career for 15, 20 years. And so here I am, this young 22-year-old that didn't really know much. You know, I have two daughters, um, 25 and 28 today, and I always tell them, that you have a great education, but you don't really know anything until you're about 35 to 40 in terms of really using that experience to your benefit. And so that's where I found myself as a young 22-year-old, um, really knowing book, being book smart, but not really knowing how to engage a team and lead a team and make transformational change for you know, an organization that really was at the precipice of introducing technology in a new and different way. And Anyway, long story short, I had this gentleman working for me, a senior, uh, a former senior enlisted command master sergeant marine who had become a civilian and was working in this particular organization that I was leading. And boy, uh, he really did not like taking orders from a 22 year old. And, you know, I think back on that time, I'm sure I was a little, you know, a little full of myself. And as I've mentioned earlier, you know, pretty direct and kind of clear vision of where I wanted to go. And, and I'm certain he didn't appreciate that. In fact, I know he didn't appreciate it because he made my life very difficult, um, challenged me at every turn, um, seemed to gather other people uh, against me and decisions that I was trying to make. And I, I endured this for about six to eight months. And at some point I decided I'd had it. That was it. And I tried to get advice from a variety of people, including HR. And, you know, it's a tough, it's a tricky issue. And, and they really didn't think it was in my best interest to try to take that on as, you know, this young Navy officer. And, so I decided to take things into my own uh, hands and um, have a really direct conversation with him. And I um, got to work early one morning and I approached him in his office and um, I had written out a letter and basically the letter said, it's either you or me. And, you know, I think that I have the authority here to do what I need to do. And, you know, I, I'm, going to make a decision that you're no longer going to work in this department unless you can really support me. And I just left that letter with him. And I said, review the letter, think about it, um, and let me know your decision. Either move out of this department or support me. And so it took about uh, you know a few hours. And he came in to my office and he said, I'm going to stay. And from that moment on, Aileen, from that moment on, he was my biggest supporter, best, uh, just, I get a little emotional when I talk about it because Jim and I are still friends. We exchange Christmas cards still to this day. Um, he just became that guy that I could rely on and really helped advise me. He became a mentor to me almost of sorts. And I think back about that story a lot because had I not really pushed the issue, I think it would have been a miserable three-year tour. And I was actually advised not to do anything. And yet when I did, I think he respected that. And he saw in me somebody that he could help and could help develop, to be honest with you. And it was such a learning moment for me because I, I think back often on that. Had I not really gotten up the gumption to do something, I'm not sure um, I would have learned that hard lesson that some people just need to know that you're capable of leading and you need to be clear eyed in your communication with that person. And it really makes a difference. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. And today I'm talking with Karen Dayhut, President of Booz Allen's Global Defense Sector. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today we're talking with Karen Dayhut, President of Booz Allen's Defense Sector. Karen, I read an article you wrote about seven important career lessons. It was excellent, by the way. I, I'd like to ask you a few questions about it. Um, there was so sure. much good content. Um, one of the my favorite was about 
teachable moments can happen anywhere. I, I find that is true, not about at work, but you've mentioned you have two daughters. I have four kids. Uh, you know, they're like gifts, teachable moments. Tell me about what you mean by that and how you apply that in your work life. Well, I think that teachable moments, like you said, happen every day and whether you're open to really learning from, from those moments. I think often about the times that uh, bad things have happened and, and whether it's in a, in a business now or in a business 40 years ago, how do you take those um, lessons and really apply them to your everyday life and to your leadership approach and how you manage crisis with your team. And I will tell you, this goes back probably, Aileen, way too far, but my first job was working at a McDonald's. And I have told this story uh, before, and it's amazing to me how many people's first job was at McDonald's, but that was mine. I was 14 and eight months, believe it or not. Uh, and that's when I could start working. My two older sisters also worked there. And um, as I got older, I stayed working there for about four years on and off during summer and during winter breaks. And I learned so much about customer service and resiliency at McDonald's. And what I mean by that is it's an amazing place to um, see how customers uh, react to both good things and bad things that are happening and how you as the server of those customers really help to make their experience better. So my first big learning was when I worked at this McDonald's and they opened the first ever drive through in Virginia Beach, Virginia if you can believe that. Um, it was a long time ago and I'm old, so <laughs> a lot of people won't even remember a McDonald's without a drive-thru. But um, I was working this McDonald's drive-thru and we were all learning, you know, how to really, you know, make it work and make it um, successful. And I ended up backing up uh, the drive-thru, like 17 or 18 cars, onto the off-ramp of a highway, it was a disaster. And I remember I was really a mess. I was like, I can't believe, you know, you're making change and giving money, but also getting food, making sure the food was hot. And I had customers that were incredibly patient and I had customers that were incredibly infuriated with me and um, just sort of were incredibly rude. And I had to learn that inner resolve of resiliency. How do I really treat these customers with the respect they deserve? Um, take on their criticism or their anger without getting angry myself. And I ended up giving away, I don't know how many free French fries that I gave away, but it was my way of saying, I'm sorry. But I learned you know, I learned that idea of resiliency and how to really treat customers in a way that they needed to be treated regardless of the experience. And I've taken that lesson forward with me, um, not only in my professional life, but also in how I treat servers and, and waitresses and service um, workers in general, because I know how hard that job is and, and really have a great deal of respect for them and, and how they do it. Talk to us about what you do and why it is important and how you set priorities around that work and approach to decision-making. I mean, you run a huge business. You have to be setting priorities and and making decisions that, uh, uh, you know, set the course for Booz Allen. Yes, I think um, that's a good way of describing it. Um, as the leader of this $4 billion business, the... Um, most important thing I can do is to set strategy and set priorities. Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, 15,000 people serving Department of Defense clients worldwide. And there is, you can't possibly know everything that's going on across the board on any given day. And so this clear intentionality of what you are trying to accomplish is critically important. Um, so Booz Allen's purpose 
to back up for a moment is to empower people to change the world. And we live that each and every day by giving people the opportunity to excel in their careers, empowering them to make good choices with clients, deliver on client requirements. And we really honor that by giving them the freedom to choose, the freedom to lead, the freedom to manage within a construct of strategy and critical choices. And so when I think about my mission, leading a global defense business, which really is aimed at supporting our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines in executing their mission to protect the homeland, to keep them safe, uh, to make sure that the American dream is real for people that, that come to this country. And so that's an audacious responsibility. And I take that incredibly seriously. And so when I talk to my team about expectations, about setting priorities, it is of course focused on that big mission of supporting the Department of Defense in their mission and making them better in terms of how they execute that mission. So for example, Aileen, I have a large team in Europe um, that are supporting the Ukrainian people uh, today that um, is very, very difficult to watch the news and see what is happening. And of course, we have soldier, sailor, airmen, Marines supporting that mission, but Booz Allen has 500 professionals also supporting that mission, whether it's from an intelligence analysis perspective or a logistics perspective or training uh, leaders in the Russian way of war, we are supporting that mission. And strategically, what I say to that team is, what do you need to better support that mission? And how does Booz Allen support you on a day-to-day -day basis? So I think that being clear in terms of your strategic choices, maybe you choose to do A versus B and letting people understand why you've made that decision is, is important. And it relies on your knowledge of the business, knowledge of the mission, your customer requirements, and how Booz Allen can better serve um, our people, our talent, as well as the clients that we work with. So it's, it is a big responsibility. I take it seriously. And I hope that because I'm a clear communicator, I can clearly communicate what our priorities are on any given day. And they shift all the time. It's not as if you can set a priority on day one of, of the year and that they will flow through the entirety of the year. But but being able to describe why you've made those strategic choices and why maybe you're shifting or pivoting priorities becomes the role of the leader and becomes the role of the communications. The defense uh, mission is huge, Karen, and and the challenges today are just you know I, I most people would never have thought we would be where we are five years ago. Um, your team it, it has some pretty big jobs in front of them. How do you get your team to focus on a plan that might others might not think is even achievable or you know how do you how do you lead through the impossible? Right. It is. It does seem impossible at times and it it sometimes it seems so complex that how do you break it down? So Booz Allen at its core is, you know, sort of this problem solution company. Um, you recall that our beginning was as a strategy consulting firm. And this idea of deconstructing problems into manageable pieces is really at the core of how we approach any big mission. Um, so let me start with, we always have a corporate strategy. And today we are, you know, leading through our vault strategy, which stands for velocity, leadership, and technology. And the idea here is simple. We need to be able to move fast on behalf of our clients. We need to lead, shape, and influence our teams as well as our clients through strong leadership. 
and we need to apply technology to these difficult mission problems. So when I think about the Department of Defense, there are a couple of pivotal things that they're facing today. Um, the need for rapid modernization, whether it's their platforms, air platforms, sea platforms, uh, kinetic platforms, they have a great need for modernization. There is also a need to be able to work in a joint environment across the Army, Navy, Air Force, and the Marines, but also with our partner uh, countries and partner nations that we go to um, battle with each and every day, evidenced by um, the support and work we are providing for the Ukraine situation. So faced with modernization, faced with this need for joint, technology takes on an incredibly important role. And my team is very focused, I would say hyper-focused, on bringing technology to that mission need. So we've developed a very interesting concept, Aileen, called the digital battle space. The future of DOD is predicated in software. Software is going to make the difference for the way these platforms are modernized and the way they operate in a joint capacity. And so how we bring technology to bear to those issues and to transform the platforms that they currently use is something we are working very closely with. And the digital battle space imagines a day where data is ubiquitous for all, all parts of the Department of Defense, and that data is um, uh, interpreted as well as AI and machine learning applied so that the end user is not trying to interpret the data, but they are using it for decisive decision-making at the point of need. So that's a complicated way of talking about technology, but technology is a critical role in what we are doing to advance both Booz Allen, but advance the missions of our clients. I'm speaking with Karen DeHutt, president of Booz Allen's global defense sector. Coming up next, we'll talk about how leadership can affect culture. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Karen DeHutt, president of Booz Allen's global defense sector. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today we're talking with Karen DeHutt, president of Booz Allen's defense sector. You know, Karen, um, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast this is a famous quote from the legendary management consultant and writer, Peter Drucker. I, I don't think he meant strategy was unimportant. Um, rather, you know, that power and empowering culture was a sure route to organizational success. Do you, do you agree with that thought? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, my goodness, Aileen, 100% agree. I use Peter Drucker's uh, quote all the time because what it means culture eats strategy for lunch culture eats strategy for breakfast it's been interpreted both ways is that if you don't understand your culture if you don't understand what the art of the possible is within that culture your strategy may or may not be successful and so i 100 percent agree with that so back in 20 10, 2011, I was asked to stand up and start the first ever uh, innovation group at Booz Allen. And the idea of this innovation group was to drive our technology uh, advancements um, in the company and for our clients. And it was very clear to me as I approached this audacious task of introducing innovation and technology to a hundred year old company that I was going to face into some pretty significant cultural challenges. Um, our culture is a beautiful thing, but it's organic. It's um, very um, entrepreneurial. It's very uh, individualistic. And how was I going to take this big amorphous culture and get it to embrace this idea of innovation and technology. 
And so we built um, our innovation roadmap and it was specifically targeted at looking at our culture and shifting our culture. It was eight components that were interconnected and it really was focused on building a culture of innovation. If I was going to be successful, I understood that changing the culture was going to be a part of introducing technology. And so this roadmap um, embraced the idea of uh, changing our approach to our talent, for example, how we thought about them, how we embraced both their individualisticness, if that's even a word, as well as um, helping them to become more deeply technical and embrace this idea of technology as a strategic enabler. We also uh, built a, a lot of programs around partnering with other technology companies. We knew that we could learn from big companies like Google and Amazon and Apple and small startups. Um, we could learn from them, we could embrace what they were doing, and we could bring some of their culture into uh, Booz Allen. So I'm a big believer that strategy is essential, but without cultural transformation, strategy can absolutely fail. And, you know, we were successful in some parts of what we tried to do, and, and we failed in other parts of what we tried to do. For example, we tried to introduce different business models, different ways of approaching the services business with technology, product sales and as a service sales. And we were not successful, again, because the culture was not yet ready to accept that. Now, we've moved on and we're a decade later and we've become much better at all of those things. The best companies know that they're in continual transformation and a key part of that transformation is culture. You know, Karen, there's so many articles right now out there about empathetic leadership and, you know, there's some really stressful times right now and, and, and people are tired and, and the talk about the great resignation. How do you lead with empathy and, and what leadership qualities do you believe is really required during these very stressful times? Um, authenticity is the centerpiece of leadership. People are incredibly smart and aware if you are trying to convince them without being authentic, they know it. And so I believe in showing your true self uh, and acknowledging that things are tough, not only for them, but for you um, and making sure they understand that you too are human and that you too feel things the way that they may be feeling things. And Aileen, the thing that comes to mind as an example um, is following George Floyd's murder. Um, we at Booz Allen did a lot of listening um, and really engaging with our talent across the board, but specifically our African-American talent and really hearing from them. And I will never forget one of our listening sessions um, after hearing stories that were just um, un unbelievable. Uh, it was shocking how often there were same repeated behaviors that affected our African-American population. And I just remember saying, I, have I had no idea. I did not know that you dealt with this on a day-to-day -day basis. I had no idea. And I feel that I have failed you in really understanding what you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And it was genuine, authentic. There was emotion in my voice. Um, and I meant it deeply. Um, and the number of people that reached out to me after that and just simply said, thank you for acknowledging that, you know, you didn't know. It just means a lot. And so I think this idea of leaders are not perfect. Leaders don't always have the right answer. Leaders 
need to share a bit of themselves um, and be truly authentic in who they are, because I think that authenticity is inspirational to people um, that may be dealing with similar things, may be feeling similar things, or may just need to understand that you understand. And um, these COVID times have been tough. Um, people working from home, um, elderly parents living with them or being isolated. I certainly have endured that myself. Um, my father is going to be 90 next month. And uh, I, I believe this has truly affected his, um, you know, his mental health because he's been so isolated for all of this time. And I know that I feel that, and I know people are dealing with similar situations and just as a leader, letting people know that you understand and that you too are fallible and are emotional. I just think it helps them um, kind of put in context um, their leaders and work and, and uh, their personal lives. Karen, I'd like to talk a little bit about women leadership for a second. Um, you've been a leader and, and for decades, and, and women are still drastically underrepresented, uh, especially in the area of tech. What do you think needs to be done to change the low representation, re low representation excuse me, of women in tech? Well, I'm very proud to say that Booz Allen was ranked number one on Forbes' list of places for women to work. And um, the reason I start with that, Aileen, is because we, for 20 years, have had a deliberate and disciplined approach to encouraging women to accelerate their development, to bring them into leadership positions, and to pull them through into jobs with opportunity. And I think it's a good example of what we need to do across industry. Uh, when I joined Booz Allen 20 years ago today, believe it or not, um, there were no women on the leadership team. There were only a few women in senior executive positions. And those women did not have family lives. They were not married. They did not have children. And I was a young woman with two kids, married um, to a um, husband that's a physician. And I knew that, gosh, if I looked up, I didn't see people that looked like me. And so, so when I became a partner at Booz Allen, uh, I decided with a group of other women that we were going to make a difference. And we started a campaign called Like Me. And it was really predicated on my own experience. And what we meant by that is we needed to be able to look up in the organization and see people like me. And in this case, you know, a woman married with two small kids, but in other cases, it was an LGBTQ female. In other cases, it was, you know, a gender um, excuse me, a diverse uh, female. In other cases, it was a female married with elderly parents living, you know, with them. So we needed to be able to look up in the organization. And we built very deliberate programming around um, helping women uh, grow in their careers, teach them technical as well as consultative problem solving skills, um, creating an environment where women supported women and actually women pulled through women. And you know, fast forward 20 years, more than half of our leadership team are women. In fact, there are only two men on our leadership team, our CEO and our CFO. Every other leader is a woman, including all three market segment leaders are women. And I think about that and it's a great example of when great companies can say, I'm putting my energy towards building program, to making this a priority, to making sure that they've created a community that understands the responsibility, that good things can happen. This did not happen by accident. It was deliberate. And we have a CEO 
who was deeply involved in making sure that we were successful. Now, I will tell you, Aileen, we've got work to do on diverse women. It is our focus area today on pulling through not just women, but diverse women and specifically black women. And in fact, part of our compensation today is tied to our success at pulling through diverse women. I mean, we are putting literally our money where our mouth is and making this a priority for the company. And I think all companies can do this, but it has to be with great deliberateness and discipline. You're listening to Leaders in Legend and Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today we've been talking with Karen DeHutt, president of Booz Allen's Global Defense Sector. Next, we'll find out what Karen's advice is to the next generation. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders in Legend and Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today we're talking with Karen DeHutt, president of Booz Allen's Defense Sector. You know, Karen, the government has had so many challenges recruiting and retaining talent um, and, and recruiting and, and for the future talent of, 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 of the workforce of tomorrow. Like you said, it's a di- the digital, uh, you know, basically our next war is going to, hopefully it never happens, is going to be fought di- uh, digitally. Many countries like China are really pushing education at very young ages to teach things like coding. Do you think the United States is doing enough to to teach our tech talent workforce, our our workforce for tomorrow, what is Booz Allen doing? Well, I think that um, it's an interesting question. Are we doing enough? Um, I would say we are not doing enough globally to address this technology transformation. When you think about every aspect of our life, is involved in some way with technology, whether it's hardware or software, everybody needs to have a much deeper understanding of that technology and how it can better improve not only their professional lives, but their personal lives as well. And so I think that there are so many tremendous programs, Girls Who Code as an example, tremendous programs that are focused on really helping young people understand the power of technology, but we need to do more at very early ages. I always tell people about what MIT is doing with Scratch. Scratch is a really cool program for kids as early as two uh, that teach them logic by pictures, through pictures and and through really innovative uses of iPads and technology. And so I think we need to do more. And to your point, Aileen, we need to bring them in at very early ages so they are facile in all aspects of technology. So what does Booz Allen do? Booz Allen has long been focused on helping our talent be successful and develop our talent, regardless if they stay with us for 20 years like me or if they stay with us for two years, we want to make sure they leave better Uh, better prepared for their careers than when they joined us. So we have uh, a number of things that we focus on. First and foremost, we have technology experience groups. We call them TXGs, and they are opt-in programs for anybody, anywhere to join. And that's focused on building community around specific technology expertise. It's around helping them to learn and deliver uh, new ways uh, using that technology. It's about just creating a forum for them to talk and share stories and share experiences with each other. They can also, through specific training, earn badges. And through that badging process, they can be better compensated depending upon the number of badges that they earn and proof that they've been able to take this technology learning and apply it in a client environment. So we're doing a lot. Um, Probably can always do more, honestly, because there's always a need uh, to help people grow and learn both in their professional career as well as their technology expertise. I think that the government is really challenged in this area. Um, uh, They have turned into more program managers and integrators of other people's technology rather than knowing technology themselves. We've been really encouraging the government also to develop 
similar training, similar programming for their employees. Um, and, and the response from our clients is they want to do that, but how do they really recruit these people? And, you know, I think it's all about giving people a purpose in their life and focusing in on the mission and the importance of the mission. And when you can attract people through that mission orientation and provide them training and development, I think it's a win-win both for us as a, an employer, the government as an employer, as well as the employee themselves. You know, I mentioned earlier that article that you wrote, um, and you talk about the need to take risk and getting folks to try something new. Basically, you're asking them to take risk. Is that what you mean by that? And, and do you help mentor folks to help, you know, to evaluate risk and, and um, maybe make that choice? Yes, I think uh, risk taking as you become increasingly more senior, risk taking and understand risk posture is a critical part of the job, is a critical part of the role. And um, uh, when I started the innovation group, um, we at Booz Allen talk about culture. We at Booz Allen have a pretty risk averse culture. It's pretty conservative. And, you know, when you start moving into the technology sphere, um, there are more things that can go wrong. Uh, there are more challenges in terms of uh, just integrating technology and understanding how it all works together. And it can be daunting. And so I, part of the cultural change that I was trying to drive is encouraging people to take risks in what they tried and being okay with failure. I actually, you know, made get out of jail free cards and had them laminated. And I gave every one of my senior leaders five of those cards. And it was obviously symbolic, but more importantly, I wanted them to go try things and be okay with failing because I do believe you learn more through failure than you do success sometimes. And this was not an idea I came up with. I'm a voracious reader and I read this book about um, the CEO of a health technology company and he had done this. Uh, as a means of really trying to transform his culture. So I thought, wow, that's that's a really interesting idea. And so I did that. And, and over the course of the three years that I led the innovation group, I did collect some of those get out of jail free cards. But more importantly, the stories I heard about what people tried to do and failed or tried to do and su succeeded, but it's something they wouldn't have done had they not had felt like I had their back. So it was just uh, an interesting way of, of introducing this idea of taking risk. And I do think, um, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of what business you lead, this notion of understanding risk and being able to um, uh, codify it in a way that you understand it and know what you're doing in terms of the potential for success or failure is a really important leadership trait. Karen, can you describe your, your career path? I mean, if somebody out there would like to follow in your footsteps and be the next president of a huge sector at Booz Allen, what advice would you give? So, um, you know, I think that uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I have been very lucky in my life. Um, you know, the greatest gift a girl can be given is the parents that um, they have. And um, it's it started for me with them to really hardworking uh, immigrants that taught their three daughters that the world was their oyster and they could, you know, do anything they wanted to do. And so from that perspective, there's a lot in my DNA from my parents that set me up um, for success. I think um, following in my dad's footsteps and joining the Navy um, really uh, has embedded in me a sense of service, a real sense of service to our country. Watching him through his 42-year career, joining the Navy myself, my husband was in the Navy, my sister was in the Navy. This idea of service is a big part of who I am. So those two things, I consider myself pretty lucky, my parents and following in my dad's footsteps. 
And then, you know, Aileen, it's very cliche, but it's hard work. It's, um, you know, really focusing in on the job you've been given and trying to do the best you can do at that job, um, seeking uh, advice and counsel, seeking out mentorship, making sure that you are surrounding yourself with voices that you listen to and that feel like they can tell you the truth. Um, not surrounding yourself simply with sycophants and people that just want favor from you. Um, we talked a little bit about risk-taking. Uh, the two biggest career risks I've taken in my life, um, one, switching companies at the middle of my executive tenure at another company and moving to Booz Allen and then accepting the role of taking on the innovation group at Booz Allen. I learned more from those two professional life changes than I probably learned in my entire 40 year career. Um, that um, taking on something new and being willing to challenge myself to learn uh, is a really important lesson that I share with, with both women and men all the time. Uh, imagine doing something different and then do it. Uh, and then lastly, I would say um, really being open to learning, um, being intellectually curious, um, not accepting the status quo. I often say, what are you reading? What's on your bedside table? Because one's professional development is incredibly um, dependent on one's willingness to learn and try new things. So that idea of remaining intellectually curious is, is something that I think is both critical to a career and career development, but critical to professional growth as well. You've been listening to Leaders in Legend and Government. My guest today has been Karen Day-Hutt. Karen, I, I just want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some seriously valuable advice. Thank you so much, Aileen. It has been great to be here with you, and I truly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.